0: John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Our guest this week is Katrina Adams, a repeat guest. We could take up about half this segment, ticking off her resume and her titles and her roles and her achievements. She's the former president and CEO of the USTA. She's a board member of the ITF. She's a former player. She's a former coach. She's a former broadcaster. She's currently a leader at the Harlem Junior Tennis and Education Program. She is also an author. Um... I'm experiencing this firsthand. There are two processes. One is writing a book, and then there is promoting a book. Writing a book, awesome. Promoting a book can be uh, a bit of a slog, especially in a pandemic when spreading the word is not always so easy. So we were happy to take this opportunity to uh, connect and let Kat plug Only Arena, Getting Ahead, Making a Difference, and Succeeding as the Only One. That is the book she has uh just written that is now out. Um, get it on Amazon. She'll tell you where else you can get it, including her own website. Uh, this is a wide-ranging conversation. It's about tennis and its virtues. It's also about transitioning to executive positions. Um, Kat has advice, uh, general and specific, about making that transition and then using skills from sports uh, once you get there, once you get in the room, uh, so you, too, can own the arena. Here's Kat. How are you? It's 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 been a while. How uh how are you managing the the first week of May 2021 in a crazy year? How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, John. Thanks for having me. It's uh you know it's it's been a long year for sure, but uh, things are on the up and up. Things are opening up. I'm starting to get out and about a little bit more, and I uh, couldn't be happier. Um, we'll,
0: we'll get to the book uh we'll get to the book in a second. But just what what are you up to? You you wear so many hats. Uh, what's what's occupying your days these days?
1: Well, my Harlem Junior Tennis and Education Program, which is an NJTl chapter, is is my day job. So that's where I've been spending most of my time. Um, you know, we're celebrating forty nine years this year, just short of our fiftieth anniversary, and I've been there fifteen years. So it's a program that we focus on uh, youth from the inner city of Harlem. Uh, we do work with all kids around the city, uh, from putting rackets in their hands from the grassroots all the way up to national. Uh, tournament players and college scholarship athletes. So it's definitely keeping me busy, particularly in a tumultuous time like, you know, during COVID and a pandemic where, where funding is not, um, you know, as, as free as it used to be. So uh, trying to raise
0: money for the program. What, um, I mean, I think a lot of people have sort of, you know, reassessed their relationship with, with tennis over the past year and, and took inventory of sort of where they are with it and where the sport is. Um, everything COVID and response to racial justice and 39-year-olds still playing and recreation numbers going up. I mean, just kind of in general, what's what's your relation to tennis these days?
1: Well, my relationship is it's a daily grind Um, from the program to, you know, watching the Mutual Madrid Open on television every day or whatever tournament is going on every week, keeping up with the players and, and trying to figure out where they are and how they're playing I'll be doing some commentating in a couple of weeks for uh, the Mosaic side, World Feed for Tennis Channel for Roland Garros, um, French Open. So I'm still keeping involved with that. I'm on the ITF board as a vice president. I chair the Gender Equality and Tennis Committee, as well as the Billie Jean King Cup Committee. So we are having, I'm on a weekly call almost between a committee call or a board call um, these days, just trying to say, Breast and on top of uh, global issues within our sport, but it's been great to see that the tournaments are uh, happening week in and week out. We haven't heard of any illnesses in the last few months, so I'm excited about where the future is going for 2021 on the professional side, but as well as for you know just those people that are out there getting back in the sport, learning the sport, getting outdoors, and and getting some fresh air.
0: If if tennis is cryptocurrency, if if tennis is a stock, why uh, wh- why are you buying? What, what are what are sort of the virtues you're seeing right now in particular?
1: Well, tennis is the healthiest sport out there, and that's that's been stated. Um, and, and it's a sport for a lifetime. So why not get out and play? You can play outdoors, you can play indoors, but particularly this time of year going into the summer, there's so many public courts around the nation. Um, high school courts around the nation, college courts. And I think people are just having fun. You know, when you're talking about the pandemic, uh, we don't like to say it's a socially distant sport, but it is. It's uh, you know, you're you're far away from each other and and you can have a great time and and then you know have a chit-chat um on the change of sides at at the net. And so I think people are really thrilled about the healthy benefits from it, the exercise they're getting from it, and just being able to have the camaraderie. With someone else.
0: I think we all, we're all hoping these participation numbers uh, keep, keep trending the way they have. Um, so let, let's talk, I mean, first off, before we get to the book, how's the, uh, how's the publicity phase? I, I would say that writing a book is really fun and then selling a book is a completely different exercise. How are you, uh, you doing with this phase? How's it going for you?
1: Yeah, it's different. It's different because of the pandemic. You know, we're not I'm not at conferences where there are five hundred to a thousand people that you're able to address or or have book signings. Um, but it's been it's been fluid. I mean it's I've been doing a lot of podcasts, a lot of virtual book club events. Um I've started to do some in-person book signings and so it's consistent and that's that's all I can ask. Cause you don't, you know, you don't want it to be a one and done. You want this to really kind of move out throughout the year going into next year. I think it's a book that um, definitely will be a tool for, for years to come for people, um, particularly young adults that are getting into business or in business and trying to work their way up. And um, so I'm not complaining and, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now.
0: Exactly. Um, no, I, I, you're, you're right too. I mean, if, if you did a book about uh, the, the presidential election and six months from now it's obsolete, it's one thing, but it's this seems to be the kind of book that's got a long tail, as we say. Um, the The question that uh, authors always get that's really annoying and really basic, but I always feel like always yields the best answers, is it's like, wh- why did you want to do this? There's this question of, like, why did you want to write the book is, is the most trite question, but I feel like a lot of times uh, it's the best question. So I ask you, why did you want to write this book?
1: No, it is a great question, and, I, you know, and I've been telling people I had no – intention or or desire to write a book. Um, People were telling me for two or three years that Kat, you need to write a book. And I'm like, I'm not writing a book. No, you really do need to write a book. Why do I need to write a book? They said, you have so much to tell. You've experienced so much. Your story's great. Um, It's so inspirational. And you know, you should think about it. And and so after a couple years of being chased by a literary agent, um, one in particular, you know, I decided. I said, "Yeah, why not?" Um, and the only reason I did agree is because we decided that it would be more of a leadership book. And for me, I'm all about giving back and making a difference. And so, in being able to write something that was inspirational, motivational, um, and and a tool, if you if you will, for some leadership tips, things that I've learned that I've learned through the sport of tennis, and then have been been able to adapt it to different business situations. That interested me, and that's why I wrote the book. Hey, it's Ryan
0: Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? How do you frame it? I mean, there's there are elements of memoir, and and you talk about your your upbringing. You you talk a lot about. um, You you start by talking about the your role in the 2018 final, which which we can talk about. How how did you sort of position this, and how did you think about it as as you were writing it? Who did you envision as the audience? I envision uh, everyone as the
1: audience. You know, uh, across all genders, you know, races, ethnicities, and and ages. And I, I think it's something that if you're a tennis player, you know, you're going to get some stories that um, that will intrigue you. If you are a business person, you're going to get some stories that intrigue you. Um, if you're just a student, you know, there's some stories in there that will inspire you. So this is, this is something for everyone. I mean, when you look at the, t- the subtitle of getting ahead, making a difference, and succeeding as the only one, and that only one for me is either the only woman in the room or the only Black person or person of color in a room. And I think we've all been in situations where you are the only one of something in in some environment, in some arena. And it's how you adapt to it, how you rise to the occasion. And and what are those life skills that you're able to pull on to make you comfortable in situations? Um, What are those learning experiences that you've had along the way in life that allow you to rise up and sometimes above those situations as needed?
0: What, what did you conclude? Um, pe- pe- people can read the book and get the specifics, but when, as you went about writing this and thinking about this, what, what struck you? What did you, uh, what did you draw out of your own experiences?
1: Well, I think the important thing that I got out of it, one, is I got to reflect. Um, you know, I'm a person that always likes to move forward. I don't really look back. I kind of look back just for the learning experiences, but I don't go deep back, um, that, that deep um, back um, for me personally. But what I did learn is that, yeah, maybe I do need to go a little bit deeper sometimes and, and pull on those experiences and that knowledge that I have that can propel me forward in, in other arenas. But, you know, I love the sport of tennis. It, tennis gave me my, my career, um, it's given me my pathway in life. And the life skills that we learn from, from the sport. You know, the discipline, building the self-confidence, self-esteem, you know, learning how to deal with time, time management, et cetera. These are all the things that we need as individuals moving through school and in and class um, and, and going into the work environment and, and how we can rise to a specific occasion when needed, you know, when under stress, under fire, dealing with adversity, you know, how many times have we you gotten a bad line call and you, you kind of question your opponent. How do you respond from that? These are all the things that we we deal with in everyday life. And I think from sport in particular, you know, we learn more from our losses than we do from our wins. And, and I think that's a matter of reflecting. And this book really gave me an opportunity that, to not only reflect, but really think about all the people that came into my path that supported me, that lifted me and pushed me forward, um, to get to where I am today. And that's what motivates me in reaching back and pulling forward to others from students in my program or to young mentees that are reaching out for support.
0: What was your process for doing the research? As you thought back, I don't know if you kept journals or if you watched old tapes of your matches, what was your process for, uh, for looking backwards? Well, I am one of those people that has that memory that I don't really
1: forget much, and I can probably rattle off a few points here and there from, from many key matches in my career. Um, so that was easy to reflect on. It was a matter of once the outline was put in place for the book um, and some subtitles, if you will. Um, many of the titles, of the chapters changed along the way, but. It was really about understanding. Okay, what identify? What do I identify with this? And wanting to be somewhat current um, in giving specific examples of things, and then reflecting back. The reflection was very easy. Yes, I've kept journals. Um, I didn't keep journals consistently because, again, it wasn't about writing a book. It wasn't my goal. Um, but I have a lot of photos, and I could just reflect back on photos from my career. And yes, I do have a couple of videos that I have. I wasn't one of those mainstream players on center court all the time that got TV time. So I do not have too many videos, but it was a situation of really kind of using all of those things and really having conversations with, you know, lists of people that I had written down that had impacted me in some form or fashion in my life. Having those conversations, um, I, work, I did work with a collaborator and, you know, she was also able to have many of these conversations as well. You know, me waking up in the middle of the night, hitting the, the voice memo on my phone when I would think of things. I, I say I did my best writing and thinking probably between the hours of 2 and 4 a.m. Uh, in the morning. But, yeah, it's just a process. And, um, you know, I, I, I've been telling people late, uh, lately, you know, this wasn't a labor of love because my intent was not to write a book. I said it was just labor because it was a lot of work of, of kind of reflecting and gathering intel. And, but I enjoyed it um, and I'm, I'm glad that process is over and, and I'm able to talk about it.
0: How long How long did the process last, I'm
1: curious? Uh, I, I would say about 15 months. You know, we, we started writing, started the book probably, or started compiling um, thoughts in October of 2018 uh kind of had an outline by january of 2019 and and had to turn in the manuscript at the end of january in 2020 because it was due to come out in july of 2020 and then of course the world turned upside down and inside out and um and then it got delayed to 2021. Um, so you know it's it's been sitting there for a year before uh before it was actually gone had actually gone into print. So um, I'm still pleased, uh, you know, obviously 2020 was a, was a tough year for many and, and there's a lot of things that you could probably add to the book, um, but I'm really pleased with the outcome of that book and, and how um, the process, you know, the, the outcome of the process of the book to get to where it is today.
0: Most important thing tennis gave you, I mean, what, what is the single biggest gift you got from the sport?
1: Uh, a perspective on life. I mean, it gave me the opportunity to travel the world. Um, you know, starting first, travel my city, my state, my region, um, my nation, and then the world as I progressed through it. I mean, from junior tennis to high school tennis, playing, you know, it was a high school state championship third, my junior and senior year. Um, NCAA champ at Northwestern in doubles with Diane Donnelly. And, and then obviously 12 years on a tour with 20 doubles titles. So, you know, I've met a ton of people around the world built a ton of relationships. Um, I have a huge network and, you know, it's allowed me to really reflect on that whole journey that I just talked about and figure out how I can get back to the sport to make sure that someone else has not just that journey, but a better journey. And or just an opportunity to put themselves on that pathway. And then it's up to them to, to figure out how to navigate it.
0: Was there anything that impeded your success? I mean, was, was there anything that um, tennis inhibited?
1: No, not really. I think, you know, my, I probably got in my, in my own way um, in, in some instances of, of not um, probably playing to my potential. And that's because I was always interested in doing other things. I was always on a board. I was on the WTA Players Association board. I was on the WTA Tour board. Um, I always wanted to learn more and, and figure out how I can make a difference. And, and so, yeah, some of those off-court uh, focal points probably inhibited me from doing the training that I needed to do in certain times or, or really inspired me to really want to go to the top. I feel that I, I definitely could have been a top 20 singles player, if not more, had I really put that effort into it. But you know what? If I'd done that, maybe my journey would be different and I wouldn't be sitting here talking about this today. So there's nothing that I regret. Um, but I do think that um, you know, tennis is an opportunity for you, you to make your own choices. You know, I talk about sacrifices in the book, but it's really your, your own choices that you make that determine the path that you go whether you're going straight left or right and um, and i'm I'm inspired by the opportunities that the sport provides for many
0: well I, I think that that's a really interesting point because it, and I think it has relevance today I mean you, know, you, you have a number one player in the world who is trying to figure out how much he wants to hit tennis balls and how much he wants to be politically involved and try and try and affect change how did you I mean explain the relationship between being politically active as a player and the impact that had on your, on the tennis. I mean, was it in your head? Was it just a question of time commitment? W- what is the relationship between sitting on councils and trying to improve your ranking?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, sitting on councils is is one thing. Um, I don't think it, it's really how much time it affects you. How does it affect you individually, right? How much time do you put it into that? How does it affect it, you? Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, because going through that process, I wasn't thinking that I was affected, and um, it's just the way that I dealt with it. I also, you know, I was also a player that had way more talent than, than um, you know a lot of people had in their in their thumb, but I relied on that talent more so than hard work. at sometimes it took me a long time to figure out that I needed to work harder. In, in a lot of situations and, and sometimes, not sometimes, but I feel that maybe I started a little bit too late in that process, but that's on me. That's um, not on anyone else. It's, not, it's definitely not on my coaches because they definitely were trying to get me to work a little bit harder and, and spend more time doing certain things. But you know, today I think is a little bit different than, than my era. I wasn't really fighting for political issues um, or social justice issues that really affect humanity and humankind. You know, I was focusing on, you know, how we could get more for our players and and get more tournaments and get more prize money and things of that nature that, you know, I feel good about because look where the tour is today. And I feel that I had something to do with that, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So today it's a different situation when you talk about the social injustice and and the racial environment that we live in and the voices that are being heard from our player group um, you know in 2020 2021 and going forward it's, it's a much bigger issue and I think it's you know I applaud these ladies because I wish I had the strength and the courage to do what they did um, many years ago of course there are always opportunities to bring these these issues to the forefront but today they're more visual to the world and so it's a lot easier to insert yourself in that place Titles will always be there. you know. Rankings will be there. But if you've accomplished that goal and you have something bigger in life to accomplish and to speak for, then that's way more valuable than being on that court all the time. People criticize Serena and Venus for years for only playing X amount of tournaments. Oh, if they only played more tournaments, oh, they could have won more Grand Slams. They could have done this. They could have done that. No one, ever, no one ever really focused on the fact that they were continuing their education, finishing high school, getting a college degree, starting multiple businesses along the way, because that's what they need going forward for the next 30, 40 years of their lives versus, you know, a 10-year period of, of just honing in and then having to start anew. So I applaud all the players who are vocal, who are active, who are, are making a difference In their own lives for their self growth for the future um, that they will have beyond the
0: tennis court if I ask the kids in your programs who who's their favorite player what do they say
1: Serena Williams and or Naomi Osaka
0: is that are you you seeing I was gonna ask you that if you're seeing uh, if you're seeing this Naomi Osaka effect as well
1: oh of course I mean she's a champion so people follow champions and people want to be like champions and so you know what? What Naomi has accomplished on the court has been amazing. You know, when you look at the the run that she's had in the Slams, we'll see what she does in Roland Garros. Um, it's not her favorite surfers, we all know that, and um, hasn't fared well in, in the lead up tournaments for for that. But um, you know, she's phenomenal, and I think just her. We saw her mature and grow up almost overnight during the la- during the last year because of the social unrest and racial pandemic in in America of where she was speaking out from. Yeah, she's, um, her Black background is Haitian and she's half Japanese, but she lives in America and it doesn't matter where she is. When people see her, they see a Black woman before they see anything else and it doesn't matter where she's from. And she's experienced that and, and I think she recognizes the importance of even more so to fight against that because you see her as a number one player in the world from Japan. I see her as a black woman.
0: You do. That's how yeah. you see her.
1: And that's what most black people do.
0: I, I want to ask you more. I, w- I want to go back to you because one thing that always interests me with athletes and especially in an individual sport who make a transition to leadership like you have, how how did you learn the nuances? How did you learn when to speak in a meeting and who to BCC on an email and and sort of water cooler talk. How did you learn the stuff that you pick up if you're spending 10 years in a law firm or in a, you know, at a hedge fund and not 10 years on the WTA tour? How did you pick up on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's a process of networking, um, you know, having conversations, who you're leaning on for advice. You know, I picked up on mentors very, very early when I got on the board to kind of helped me uh, with the nuances of being on that kind of board. I mean, being on the WTA Players Association board, you're sitting around a table with all players, you know, a couple of executives. Um, it's a very different conversation than when you're in a room um, like a USTA board. And so, you know, the, um, the late Mayor David Dinkins um, was on the board when I joined and he kind of put his arm around me and I had Alan Schwartz uh, who I've known since I was seven, was on that particular board. And, and then I just kind of learned, you know, you, you sit back, you do your research, you make sure you read your board book, you listen. And, but if something impacts you, if you have something to say, there's no reason why you shouldn't be raising your hand and speaking up um, and you understand the nuances along the way. But that's just by, I don't want to say trial and error, but it's just really by um, observing And, um, you know, being patient, but also being able to utilize your voice when you definitely had something to add to it. You know, I think the value that I had in the boardroom is when you look at the USCA, we're about grassroots, we're about growing the game from the base. Well, guess what? I was a grassroots player in an NJTL program. I played junior tournaments, high school, college, you know, professional. I was a coach, commentator. There's no one in the game that I really don't know or have a com- conversation with or can have a conversation with, and so the networking um, is was invaluable for me in in putting myself in that role. And then as I started to progress, um, became even
0: more invaluable. When I mean I mean this in the best possible way. When when did your ambition kick in? Like when did you realize you wanted to be more than a tennis player? When did you realize that the net networking mattered? That you you mention uh, Alan Schwartz, who I'm sure you knew as a kid in, in the Midwest. Um, wh- when did this ambition start to take hold?
1: I don't know. <laughs> um, I was a tennis player. I loved to play. I loved to compete. I, but, you know, when, when it's time to uh, say goodbye to the competitive side, then you start to think differently and saying, okay, where's my future? What am I going to do with this? Um, I went immediately into being a national coach in the middle of my, my career. I'm not middle of my career, middle of my last year, my career. And, um, and, and I had never probably taken a break from the sport, putting my rackets in a closet since I was seven. So from seven to 35, when I stopped coaching or being a national coach, um, I didn't have time to really reflect. And so when I left the the court, when my body said uh, that's enough, right. you know, I started to say, okay, what do I what do I want to do next? And I always wanted to be a commentator. You know, I'd done some guest commentary work um, at tournaments here and there. You know, sit in for a couple games or a set, and I studied communications at Northwestern, so I I knew that I could do it. I knew that that was something in the back of my mind, and I was fortunate enough to to start with Tennis Channel. Um, you know, on a consistent basis when they first came on air, and you know, from there, you're you're learning a different side of the sport, but you're also starting to network with different people. And I would say once I got even more engaged on that side, you know, I became a volunteer with the USTA on a committee. I started on a committee, um, and from that experience, that's when I I knew that. I wanted to do more with this organization because I didn't really understand it. As players, we didn't really know who the USCA was. We played USCA tournaments. We got a USCA ranking and they ran a US Open and they picked the Fed Cup and Davis Cup team. That's what we knew. And and so I didn't really know that all the things that I was a recipient of coming up as a junior in these tournaments. and, And so I grew up in Chicago And our district is a Chicago District Tennis Association where I was on these CDTA excellence teams, traveling and playing and, you know, playing against Indianapolis and uh, Columbus and other teams in our Junior Fed Cup competitions. Um, Nationals, you know, I was on a national team as a junior, probably from my 14s on up, where the USTA was funding these teams. And then I was on a college team in in the summertime. USCA was funding these teams. I didn't really understand that when you're in it. But when you start to look back and say, wow, the has done so much for so many players and and trying to help them develop and grow, I had no idea. And so that's when I really wanted to say, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the decision making because I can speak on experience in a lot of these areas as to what worked and what didn't work. And and that's how I kind of dove into it
0: um, a little deeper. Um, All right. Speed round. Give me, give me your quick, quick answers to these. Um, So the first one is uh, there's, there's an eight year old kid who likes tennis, but he likes other sports as well. How does tennis go about making that girl or that boy a tennis player? I agree with multi-sport players, um, you
1: know, but I think the tennis with the footwork and the hand-eye coordination, you talk to them that it can make them better in the other sports, but you talk about the benefits of tennis and, and um, you know, a longstanding sport and college scholarship opportunities, and you get them in there.
0: How do we, uh, we, we had Andrea Godenzi on, I think, two, two weeks ago, um, this idea of floating around of, of the merged ATP WTA tour. Uh, thoughts or against?
1: I think it's time. Um, it, it's definitely, you know, the game has definitely grown, um, you know, exponentially as to how, you know, with the prize money, the number of events, et cetera, and, and the number of events that are combined. And I, I, do, I do think it's time so that people can talk about the sport as a whole, as opposed to the men and the women.
0: There are zero American men Right in the top 20, which uh, for, for people from our generation is unthinkable. Uh, to, to what extent are you concerned about that?
1: I think it's been a concern for many years as we've, as we've seen that decline, um, you know, from the last great four of Curry or Sampras, Chang and Agassi. Um, you know, we've had Isner up there that was hanging on. But of course, he's, uh, you know, he's getting older. But I, we do have a, a good group of uh, young players and it's just a matter of them getting there from you the top of uh, to Taylor Fritz and Tiafo.
0: But do you, do you think it matters? I mean, my, my sort of instinct is it, it's an international sport and it's these, these devices we all carry in our pocket only internationalize it. Why, why does it matter? Um, I,
1: think it, I think it matters for, for optics in particular, you know, with your fan base. Um, it's something that's all, we've always had those players. So it's something that's evident because it's not there. And because people like you keep talking about, there's no players in the top 20. So if we keep talking about it, then everyone's going to say, yeah, what's wrong with us, but the world has gotten bigger. Um, it's opened up more. And there's so many more athletes that have coming out, you know, these, of these other countries that weren't there 20 years ago. And, but I think it, it, it helps when you're talking about getting kids into the sport and keeping them there, that there is that top player that they can identify with. They identify with Serena. They identify with Sloan. They identify with Kennan. But, you know, and, and with Brady now. But we don't really have that champion, if you will, on the, on the men's side to keep our boys engaged. So I think that's why it matters.
0: But I, I, I mean, I guess, does, does tennis need American tennis?
1: You mean okay. American champions?
0: Yeah. I mean, the the, the tennis as an institute, we talk about this unified sport. Absolutely.
1: Because we, you know, when we have our tournaments, you know, when we have our tournaments here in America and we try to keep our tournaments in America, Mm -hmm. it's important to have those American players in there because our our fans still want to go and support our Americans. You know, when we go to other countries, the crowds are all into their, their players. It's the atmosphere that we need here in the U S for our tournaments Um, for our sponsors, for sponsors to want to get into the tournaments to support these American players, you know, for our TV rights to want to make sure that we're showing American players. So, yes, I think it does matter.
0: Last question. What's, what's the next, uh, what's the next arena you want to own?
1: Sport, maybe sport. It's all about sports for me. Um, You know, I'm, I'm inspired by all sports as to what they offer to young people and to these, these amazing professional athletes that are doing their thing across every platform. But it's really, you know, for me, it's staying in sport in some form or fashion and, and being able to be that leader and, and offer that advice where it comes. Um, right now that platform is my NJTL that I continue to support and uplift and try to raise funds for. Um, but you know, we'll see what the future
0: holds. Great. Uh, where can people get the book? I'll I'll send an Amazon link, but is there a bookstore you like to send people to? You know what? You can go to
1: my website and and click on buy the book and then it sends you to multiple different um, avenues. So as opposed to just supporting one or the other, um, my website is katrinamadams.com, M for Michelle. And um, yeah, please, please buy the book. But, you know, Amazon, of course, is always there. You get it overnight And, and hopefully you enjoy the book. You know, my goal is, is to inspire everyone to own their own arena
0: you know these books are like tattoos you, you do one and you uh you want more you, you've we'll got another see. one of these in? all right um all right this is great. anything else you want to uh mention plug throw out there anything we missed
1: no this is great thanks for having me i mean it's you know we we've been in this together and and calling matches and And I'm, you know, I'm just thrilled that 2021 is a lot more positive with with these tournaments, not just on the professional level, but also getting the juniors back on the court, um, because it's it's just amazing to watch.
0: Um, All right, great. This was fun, and uh, we will uh, we'll help you sell a million copies. We'll throw people to uh, to your website. This is great. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks. Take care. Appreciate it. Bye. -bye. Um, Okay, thanks to Kat Adams for the visit. Always a pleasure. Again, the book is Only Arena. Buy it on Amazon. Get it through Kat's website, wherever you get books. Uh, thanks to Kat. Thanks, as always, to Jamie for her production. She, uh, not unlike Kat Adams, she does a million other jobs. So uh, we are always appreciative. Uh, other tennis news. The doll has just beaten Alcaraz, his uh, teenage monkey. Um, Naomi Osaka struggles on clay. Ash Barty does not. Some players uh, may be separating from their parents and coaches, which may be a topic we will tackle next week. Uh, We just were lucky enough to get an advanced copy of Billie Jean King's memoir. uh, Co-written, shout-out, collaborator, John Ed Howard, uh, former colleague. But Billie Jean King has a memoir coming out later this summer. All sorts of tennis news. Um, We will have another podcast next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Keep the guest suggestions coming. Subscribe, leave a review. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, More and more frequently, it does seem people just get them off Spotify. That's cool, too. Um, Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks to Kat, and we'll do it again next week. Have a good week, everyone.